Welcome everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism and its associate fellowship in Boise, the Bread of Life Church. To learn more about how God is using us to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting, go to traincpe.org. And to learn about our local fellowship, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Our passage for consideration today is from John 11. It's the account of the Lord Jesus raising back to life his friend Lazarus. We'll be giving the backdrop for a closer look at one of the individuals referenced in this account, the Apostle Thomas. We'll see today that our Lord was making known the promise of himself to his disciples. A promise that the disciples missed at that time, but one, I hope, you won't. In chapter 10, Jesus is declaring himself before the leaders of Jerusalem and he's teaching in the temple area of Jerusalem and there he reveals himself to be the great shepherd and there he reveals himself as the one who is the keeper of the door to eternal life. There he reveals that he is bringing unto himself a sheep and that he is gathering them unto himself In other words, he is establishing himself, he's speaking of himself in messianic terms. Who was the great shepherd for Israel? David was. And God had promised that through David, God was going to raise up one who would be the Messiah. And Jesus is now on the scene and he's saying, I am the great shepherd. And he's speaking in messianic terms. And so they challenge him, the leaders challenge him on this. And Jesus goes further than this. Jesus then goes on to equate himself with God. He says, I and the Father am one. And we read at that point in time, the Jews take up stones to stone him. It actually says they take up stones again to stone him. The reason it says they take up stones again to stone him is if you'll go back to John chapter 8, you'll read at the end of John chapter 8 that Jesus once again is in Jerusalem on the mount in the temple region. And there, Jesus claims that Abraham saw his day and rejoiced. And they said, wait a second, you're not even 50 years old. And you're saying Abraham saw your day? And Jesus says to them, before Abraham was, I am And that's the unpronounceable name of the one divine and true God. And Jesus affixes that name to himself. And it says at that moment they took up stones to stone him. And so this is the second occasion in which the leaders of Israel have taken up stones to put Jesus to death. They've not only had a narrow brush with him being put to death once in the temple area in Judea, but now it's twice. And so they escape and they go to the area of the Jordan River. And there many are turning to Jesus because they were remembering the words that John the Baptist had said about Jesus and they're beginning to confess faith in him. I think the disciples are pleased with what's happening around the Jordan River. They're making good headway. It was a narrow escape there, but this is a good place for us to set up. Let's just stay here and minister here. But now word comes that Lazarus is sick and it comes from Bethany, which is just a couple hours or an hour walk in from Bethany into Jerusalem. And Jesus, we're told, loved Lazarus and his family. But Jesus delays leaving for two days. And then after two days, he tells his disciples that now is a time in which they are to go up into Bethany, into Judea. And Jesus explains to them why he waited. He tells them the reason that he waited and they didn't leave right away was because he wanted them to have their faith built up by what was about to take place when they went up to Judea. And they warned him and said, Lord, wait a second. And you can imagine all the disciples are gathering around him and 
they're sitting him down and they're trying to teach him. Now he's been teaching by the Jordan, but now it's time for us to give the Savior a little instruction. Lord, listen, you know, they were attempting to take your life the last time that you were there. You think it's wise for us to return and go there again? And basically the statement should be interpreted something like this, and I think this is how Thomas heard it. Lord, let's not go up there because it's not safe for us. They're not simply concerned about Jesus. They're concerned for them all. We don't want anything to happen. And Jesus answers and says this to them. He says basically this to them. Gentlemen, I need you to understand that I am doing this in the full light of day. That's what he says to them. He says, listen, there's 12 hours in the day, and as long as you have light, you're okay. I'm doing this. I'm making this decision. We're going up there in the full light of day. We are still in the midst of the day in which I am doing my work for the Lord, and I know what I'm doing. Basically, what he's saying is this. Fellas, I can see what's ahead of me, and there are no dangers ahead of us that are going to trip me up. And then he goes on to say this. Now, Lazarus is asleep, and I'm going to go up there to wake him up. Now, that seems fairly plain, but they say, Lord, if he's taking a nap, if he's sleeping, then he must be all right. So just leave him. He'll take care of himself. No, fellas. What I mean by saying that he's asleep is this. Lazarus is dead. But I'm glad. I'm glad because now you'll have the opportunity to have your faith built up by what I'm about to do. Now, doesn't that sound encouraging? Jesus has just said, listen, we're in the full light of day here and I know what I'm doing and I'm going to go and wake up Lazarus. Kind of laid the background here. And the first thing, if you wanted to write, that we want to note here is just what it is that Jesus is saying to the disciples. It really is what Jesus is saying that gives us the context out of which we understand what Thomas says. And Jesus first is doing this. Jesus is giving the disciples a word of encouragement. He is saying that, fellas, I do all things in the light. You can trust me. You can go where I go. You can follow me wherever I take you. Regardless of what you think the future holds, regardless of what you think things are happening around us, you stick by me. I've got the light in front of me. I know what I'm doing, and I'm in control. No danger is going to trip me up. Nothing is going to catch us by surprise. Just stick with me. Now let me remind you that the end of John chapter 8, we do have this pronouncement where Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. And we're told that the leaders begin to take up stones to stone him. And Jesus now is being ushered in this passage in John chapter 8. He's being ushered out of the Temple Mount. And they're going down the various staircases out of the Temple Mount. And there along the staircases, different individuals would perch themselves to beg and to seek for alms. And there is a blind man that is sitting on one of these little pathways or on the side of one of these staircases. And as they're fleeing, and I'm sure at this point in time, the disciples are trying to rush. They're anxious to get out of the situation. They know what's a Bruin. Jesus pauses and looks at this blind man. Maybe one of the disciples speaks up at this point in time, asking a question to kind of move things along, and says, Lord, is this man blind because he sinned or his parents sinned? And Jesus said, neither, but that the Son of God, or that God may be glorified, or for God's glory has this man been made blind. And then Jesus says a couple of interesting things. He says, I must do the work of him who has sent me while it is still day, for the night cometh when no man worketh. And Jesus is indicating that there is a time period that has been given to us to work and labor and serve God, but he also is indicating something to his disciples simply by what he's doing. Remember, there are people that are searching to kill him right now. They're wanting to put him to death. He doesn't seem to be hurried at all. He stands before this man, he takes the time to address him, and he heals this man wonderfully and miraculously. 
And Jesus basically explains this, fellas, the reason we can stop to do this is because we're still in the middle of our work day. There's work to be done that the Father has given me. And in that, there's something that we have revealed, and it's this. Jesus is revealing that we are immortal until our work is done. Nothing can touch us or harm us as long as we are doing God's will and working for Him until God's work day for us is over. Jesus knew this well. He knew that His time had not come. He knew that there was work for Him to do. He wasn't concerned about what was happening around Him. He didn't care how many people were filling their pockets with rocks to come and stone Him. He knew that God had given Him and placed before Him this man in order that God might express His glory through Him. And Jesus pauses and stops to touch this man in spite of what all the circumstances around because Jesus was going to address the work that was done in the middle of the light of the day that God had given him to serve him. He knew that there was an immortality that we have while we are fulfilling the work that God has given us. And now we're in the same exact type of circumstance. Jesus is going to go up to Judea and the disciples are saying, hey, Lord, you know, those pockets are still filled with rocks and they want to stone you. And Jesus reminds them, fellas, don't you remember? It's still daytime and there was still work to be done. You don't need to worry. Let's just serve the Lord. Let's go about doing our duty. Let's do the work that God's given us and we'll be all right. We'll be okay. And it's a wonderful illustration. It's a wonderful word of encouragement. The word of encouragement is this. If we will follow Jesus, if we will walk with him, if we will obey him, if we'll do what God has set before us to do, there is a sense in which we can experience a sense of imperviousness against the onslaught of the enemy against us. There's a sense in which we can recognize that we are, in a sense, immortal until God is done using us. I fly a lot on planes, and someone has asked if I'm afraid of flying on these flights, or a lot of people have, and I really am never nervous except for one time when I was flying on Aeroflot, I have to admit that, the Russian airline. One of the reasons is because as long as I know I'm fulfilling God's call upon my life and duty upon my life, I feel as though everything's going to be all right. God's in control. He's managing the life around me. He's watching over me. He's sovereign. He's using me. I'm surrendered to him. I want to be used by him. And as far as I know, it's still daylight until the Lord calls me home. And here's the next thing that Jesus says. This is also encouraging. When we come to the end of our work day, what do you do when you come to the end of your day? You go to bed. You get some sleep. And for the believer, this is what the Christian life is like. For this period of time, we're in the middle of our work day. We're working. We can be encouraged. We're in the middle of the light of day. And when the day ends, what will happen for us? Well, we just have some sleep ahead of us. And I, I like the way that Jesus now addresses the death of Lazarus. The second thing that Jesus gives after this word of encouragement is a word of promise. He says, I am going to wake up an old friend out of the sleep. I like the way Jesus refers to the death of the faithful. He calls it sleep. Sleep. We do this. We take our children when they fall asleep on the couch periodically and we pick them up in our arms and we take them up to bed or this happens oftentimes when we're out late at night and we're visiting friends and we get in our car to drive home that they fall asleep in the car or at least they pretend to, that's what I did, in order that they don't have to walk in but that someone will carry them in but we don't mind usually and so we pick them up in our arms and we carry this slumbering little body up and we carry them up the room and we lay them down into their bed and we pull the covers around them and they are not able to hear, but we pray over them. Lord, bless this little one and give them a good night's rest. And we tuck them in and we put a kiss upon their cheek. And the whole world around them seems peaceful, doesn't it? Now, we know what's going to happen in the morning. In the morning, they're going to jump out of their bed before you do usually. And they're going to run down. And they're going to be ready to jump into the world. And they're going to be ready to play and express all the energy and burn all the energy throughout the rest of the day until you lay them down to bed the next night. But 
Here's how Jesus is comparing death for the child of God. It is something wonderful and tender that God lays us down into. He takes us into his arms and he lays us to rest, but we will not remain there. For the believer, you see, death is not a step into endless silence. Death is not a step into the annihilation of our being. Death is not a falling away into endless judgment. For the believer, death is described by God as merely sleep. Sleep. And the promise is this, that following it, we shall wake up with a jump. We'll jump out of our bedclothes into the white raiments of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we will leap into the adventures of heaven and eternity in the Father's house. And this is what Jesus is saying. Oh, work while it's still day, for the night cometh. But when night comes, you'll just take a brief sleep. And then you'll wake up to the vigors of an eternal day. The psalmist declares in Psalm 116.15, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. How so, we may ask? Well, God is speaking as a father. He knows we are simply lying down to sleep before we rise through Christ to the vigors of an endless day. How important then to know that you're a saved one who has been set apart for God's eternal heaven. Before we sign off from this broadcast, I want to remind you of a website that we've developed called testyourtestimony.com. Testyourtestimony.com. Our concern is that there are many in our churches who do not have this promise of eternal life. They do not have a born-again relationship with Jesus Christ and so face the prospect of his rejection at the last day. Our pity for these has made us develop a site where people can apply the command of 2 Corinthians 13.5 to test themselves to see if they're in the faith, if Christ is dwelling in them by faith. So please go to the site and prayerfully consider someone else you can share it with. For now, I look forward to our next time together partaking in the bread of life. Until then, may God bless you.